Excellent. And welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Where we remember what everyone else has forgotten. As always, it is Nick Cameron, also of the Glacially Musical Podcast, joined by my good friend and musical chameleon, Duncan Evans. How are we doing today? Hey, hey, yes, doing well today. Going to see Bob Mould later tonight, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Bob Mould of Huskadoo um, nice, and yeah. fame and does his own stuff as well. So that should be good. Solo electric guitar, which you don't see very often. So no, not it's going to be interesting, I reckon. I saw uh, Nico Case last night. Oh, yeah, Nico Case is cool. I don't know much of her stuff, really, but the bits I do know are really great. So I oh, didn't no. know any of it. My wife asked me if I would go, and all you have to do to get me to go to something I don't want to do is take me out to a steak dinner. There you go. Which we yeah. did not do, because I said I don't need one. Okay. So well, that I, was my fault. Did you enjoy the show, though? It, as much as I could. It. Uh, oh, your thing. Yeah, uh, Nico Case is a former member of the New Pornographers, who were also not my thing. And it actually turned out one of the guitar players she had was one of the New Pornographers, and their normal drummer had to drop out, probably due to COVID, because they had a lot of COVID issues in the on the tour. Right. It was actually postponed a second time because somebody in the group uh, got COVID. Right. So then, um, and so the drummer they got was actually the drummer from the new pornographer. So it was 60% of the new I pornographers see. on stage, but calling it Nico case, but you know, it's, uh, if you like singer songwriter people, it was a good show. She's extremely talented, put, you know, worked hard. It was a very loose show. It wasn't like, you know, Uber professional, no, with a fourth wall. So it was fun. It was fun, but I mean, it just, you know, it just wasn't my jam. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Okay, so what are we talking about today? We are talking about an album by the Rolling Stones that I have been wanting to hear for a very, very long time without realizing. Oh, I will also apologize if I am lacking energy today because we're recording this at 10 in the morning, which is uh, very unusual. Usually I'm, I've am i been up for six or seven hours before we do these, but I'm only at about uh, 90 minutes today. So doing my best. But so I have been wanting to hear this album for a very long time but i just never got around to doing it Be the reason why i wanted to hear it is because one of the classic tracks by ace fraley is 2000 man which is a cover of the rolling stone song 2000 man i mean obviously right. it's a cut but that was released on uh, the album Dynasty. It was also the first song Reunited Kiss played together on a stage on the Unplugged. And it was amazing in the Unplugged. And I had just never heard the Rolling Stones version. I'm not really a big fan of the Stones, to be perfectly honest. Uh -huh. uh, I've got Beggar's Banquet and I got another one recently. That had, I, the one that has painted black on it, I got that one. Um, I do believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I believe that the Rolling Stones, it's if you're English, you're far more likely to be a Stones fan than if you're an American. Right. Not to say they aren't massively popular here, mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. a good an old friend of mine, um, Mike, who is from Blackpool, England, so we always called him Blackpool Mike. Because there were other mics. That's a crazy place, man. But anyway, we'll get onto that in a bit. Yeah, yeah his his uncle is uh, his uncle was a professional singer for the church. Okay, right. He sang. He did like Christmas albums in order to right. make money for the church. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was amazing. So, yeah, but half of his family was Scottish and half of his family was English. And he had a strange accent because it Blackpool's right on the border between the two countries. Right. Anyway. Yeah, so, I have a strange accent as well. But anyway, that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he, he was a huge Rolling Stones fan, even though he was not precisely age appropriate. He's about 20 years older than me. And so he, he had, he's actually just retired recently. He became an American citizen so he could retire here and get Social Security. And I believe he moved back to England. Don't quote me on that. We've kind of fallen out of touch. But he, he isn't exactly, in my opinion, age appropriate to be a Stones fan. In, because for me, the Rolling Stones, I think it's much easier to become a fan of theirs if you were around at the beginning rather than getting into them later. Because it's a lot. One of the things that we run into all the time is, yeah, this was revolutionary then, but it's it's totally normal now. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how I view the Rolling Stones. Is are they were they talented? Of course. I guess I should say, are they? Very talented, great songs, but nothing, you know, it's it's like Iron Maiden. In 1984, Iron Maiden was so heavy. Now they're mellow. So yeah, it's, I know you know. You're saying- yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. just how it is for me in the Stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. I mean, I'm not a huge, huge fan of the Stones. Um, I like them best in the early 70s when they just went really kind of uh, that, that groovy, laid back rock and roll kind of thing um, that they that they got into. I'm not a massive fan of most of their 60s stuff, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I do like Exile on Main Street and uh, Sticky Fingers and stuff like that. That's my favorite Stones era. Uh, Exile is good. And Beggar's Banquet is really good. Beggar's Banquet has. I don't have that one. Actually, that yeah. one's got Sympathy for the Devil on it. I have in uh, my pressing of it is different. It is a white album that just says Rolling Stones, Beggar's Banquet, please RSVP. And like this really pretty cursive. So it looks like a, a little invitation. Okay. So it's nice. Just, it's good. A good copy, good pressing. I, I found that and it went, oh, it's got sympathy for the devil on it. Got to have that. I always thought it was weird that sympathy for the devil was not on their satanic majesty's request. Which is the album we're talking about today. Which I, don't I did not say that. No, no. So their satanic majesty's request um, was from 1967, released in December, I believe. And this was actually the first Rolling Stones album I bought. And I guess the reason was that um, I was into a lot of 60s and 70s music at the time. And um, I, I liked the hippie-ish psychedelic stuff. And that's kind of what this album is. It's the Rolling Stones' psychedelic album. I was thinking about how, you know, we, we come from different sides of the world and different sides of, you know, how we attack music. And I always look for blues, and Duncan always looks for hippie, high hippie psychedelia. He always finds it, just like I always find the blues, even whether it's there or not. So the whole time I'm listening to this, going, Duncan is going to really be able to find the psychedelia this week. <laughs> yeah. So this was an anomaly, just in the sense that um, that this isn't what these stones are really supposed to do. This was never what the stones were supposed to do. They were always like the opposite side of the coin to the Beatles. You know, the Beatles did the psychedelia, did the sort of uh, 
wistful, um, whimsical um, sort of stuff and did the experimental things with the mellotrons and the different instruments and all, all the Indian instruments and that sort of thing. Whereas the songs were always more meat and potatoes, rock and roll. Um, until this record, at which point, well, a lot of people say they were kind of cashing in on the popularity of Sgt. Pepper, which was the Beatles' massive psychedelic breakthrough, um, which I believe was, what, 1967? Seven. Uh, seven as well. Wow, okay. Is it Okay. Yeah, right. when, when I get a second, I'm going to really drop a lot of albums from this... Uh, yeah, because this was released in May. Uh, Sergeant Pepper was May '67. Okay, yeah, right. So fine. it was dropped while they were recording, while the Stones were recording this record. Yeah, but by all accounts, the recording sessions for this were um, completely chaotic. Um, oh yeah, so there's it, a lot to talk about there. Yeah, so I, essentially, it sounds like they were jamming. They were sort of throwing ideas around, but they didn't really know what they were doing. Nothing was coming together. And um, like a month before the release date, they still didn't have a proper album. They just had loads of snippets of bits and bobs. So they just kind of edited it down and uh, pulled out what they could um, into semblances of songs. And that explains a lot. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. So I don't know how intentional it was to make it this psychedelia thing, whether they kind of decided to do that halfway through once Sergeant Pepper came out and they sort of, I mean, they must, some of it must have been intentional because some of it is very consciously psychedelic. Um, this is a of, great spot, I think, for me to cut in on that. Yeah. I mean, you know, this comes out in December of 1967. In 1967, we also had two records by The Doors. We had Pink Floyd's first record. We had yeah. Sgt. Pepper's and we had Jimi Hendrix's first record. Mm -hmm. So we have, let's see, Doors, Doors, Floyd, Beatles, Jimmy. We have five records here that are massive records and massive changes to the world. No, there is no way this was unintentional. Mm. This was... And, Pink Floyd was the leaders of the underground psychedelia scene and people like the Stones went to see Pink Floyd play. Yeah. They talked yeah. about Mick Jagger and Keith Richards being in the audience at the clubs they played in London. Yeah. 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 And I think this is just me talking. I heard more Pink Floyd style psych, more Sid Barrett, Pink Floyd style psychedelia and experimentalism than I did the Beatles. I also am not as well versed on the Beatles as I am on Pink Floyd. So if anybody's throwing something at their computer or iPhone or whatever, I'm sorry, you you might be right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But there, there's a song at the end that kind of drones. And that mm -hmm. just really reminded me of songs like Set the Controls for the Heart of the Sun and Astronomy Domini and Interstellar Overdrive. Yeah, yeah, sure, man, sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, judging by the album cover, that I mean, that's very psychedelic, it's border, borderline ridiculous. Um, apparently, originally, it was a lenticular, you know, one of those images that you have to um, angle in different ways and you can see different uh, images, if that makes any sense. Wait, did you say... Describing it. Did you say borderline ridiculous? <laughs> I mean, I think in 1967, 
I don't know how ridiculous that would have seemed. I mean, yeah, now I would say it's pretty definitely ridiculous. Um, they look yeah. like they, they look like children's versions. They look like if Alistair Crowley had a children's television program. Yeah, this is that, what he would look like. That covers it. Yeah, Mick Jagger is essentially wearing a wizard's outfit with a huge uh, pointy cone-shaped hat with a crescent moon on it. Um, it's all a bit ludicrous. Apparently, all of the faces of the Beatles are on here. I can see, on my version, I can only see two, and I looked it up on the internet, and you, the other two members are kind of out of the edge of the uh, picture that I can see on my copy, which is a bit strange. So I don't know. What I, I don't have a copy of it. I was going to buy right. it, much like with uh, Come Taste the Band. Yeah, I had this album on my wish list, and I decided to do an episode before buying it try before you buy correct but yeah, yeah and and they're also in front of the taj mahal for some reason yeah don't ask me why but yeah there's all sorts of stuff in there apparently there's uh yeah it's kind of a collage there's bits of all sorts of artworks and things in there apparently um, i mean it is very similar it's it's very similar without being identical to Sergeant Peppers. Yeah. And apparently so, so it's, there's a border, which is um, kind of a, an image of the sky with clouds in it. That's what that is. OK. They had to put that in because they couldn't afford to make the lenticular uh, image fill the whole 12 inch cover. So they just had to be like a, whatever it is, six inch in, in the middle. Um, yeah. My copy is a reissue on Super Audio CD. Hybrid Super Audio CD of an unpopular format that didn't catch on. Oh, uh, I remember those. Yeah, mine's kind of shiny, so it reflects rainbow uh, colours when you shine it around in the light. So mm. there we go. Um, yeah, so what other background um, do we have on this? There's a few things that's just specific to the songs themselves. Different Probably people. should talk about why the, the record, the recording was so chaotic. This was, it took, let's see, the recording of this one took uh, 10 months. Mm. Mm. 10 months to record that's an a album. a very long time back then. Very, it, very long time. Yeah, back then, that's like, you, they could have put out three. Yeah, totally. totally. You know, the, Jimi Hendrix, I think, put out two his first year. Uh, I could be mistaken. I think Axis Bold as Love also came out in 67. The Doors dropped two their first year. Led Zeppelin dropped two in 69. Black Sabbath dropped two in 70. You know, nobody spent 10 months in the studio. No, but sure. they, they spent that long in the studio because only one of them was there every day. Yes. Which, yeah. uh, was that Bill Wyman? Yeah, Bill Wyman, the bass player, was the only one there every day. He described it as he would get there and wonder who was going to turn up that day. Some of them were in prison during this time due to drug busts and then going to jail, going to court, going to God only knows what. And he described that both Mick and Keith each had 10 to 20 hangers on at any given time when, when they would show up. Mm. So that's, I mean, I have been and to Brian Trump's. as well, apparently. Brian Jones as well. Oh, him too? Okay, fair enough. Mm -hmm. I, I have been to concerts that had less people than that in the audience. Yeah. And also, their um, manager slash producer, Andrew Lou Goldham, had walked out 
essentially due to all these sorts of shenanigans, um, the fact they were becoming chaotic and disorganized and directionless and uh, because of all the drug busts and all that. So they were producing themselves. This was, the, I think, the only album that was self-produced. Correct. That they've released. So they, they, so they didn't perhaps have anyone to just hold it all together and to, uh, to take the reins at any point. How could you... Th- there is no way they could have held that together by themselves. No. It, and so, somehow, I guess, they, they sort of did. But yeah, Jagger says they panicked right at the end and just went back and looked at what they had and just edited it down into something that resembled uh, an album. So there you go. Yeah. And it's also, we should point out that doing that in 1967 was also a major undertaking. Yeah. 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 Very true. Very true. It's not like now where you've got it all on your computer and you can just hit control C, then control V cut, copy, paste. And wow, here's the song. You had to actually get out a razor blade and run all this stuff together. Exactly. Well, I think at the time as well, it had a very, very mixed reception. I think a lot of people said, yeah, this is just them trying to do um, Sergeant Pepper. A lot of people said this is not what the Stones should be doing. Um, a lot of people criticised the production. Um, I thought the yeah, production, it sounded really good. Yeah, I didn't I mean, have I, any I, problems there. I think it does sound good. I think there's some interesting choices there's some very 60s um creative choices but yeah I, I do think i don't think it's badly produced at all um but yeah it was a very mixed reaction at the time um in latter years it has been revisited and generally generally it's grown on people in the intervening years um it's been quite an influential record um as you know kiss uh, covered it Red Cross have covered um, Citadel. The Damned wanted to cover, or Captain Sensible wanted to cover the whole album, but um, uh, David Vanian said, no, we'll just do one song. So they covered Citadel. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of people who have gone back and said, yeah, actually, this was kind of a weird one, but actually we really like it. So, yes. Also, it should be pointed out, I believe that the next year in 1968 was the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus, which yeah. is fe- also featured, which I believe featured them in these outfits being silly. And well, which, similar outfits. Yeah, definitely some silliness going on. Which uh, that is the only instance of Tony Iommi being on stage publicly with Jethro Tull. It is, yeah, and he's actually just miming, isn't he? But yeah, I've got that video, yeah, absolutely. I need to see that video. I, I have not seen that. I want to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, have we got anything else on background? Then? I'm trying to think, because it's, it's an interesting, I mean, this is a weird, you know, the best way I could describe this is it's like a, it's like a blackout period for the band. Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of happened, and they're all playing different. In, they're all playing different instruments on every song. Mick doesn't sing yeah, all the tunes. They've got yeah. six other dudes that have come in, to, including John Paul Jones. Yeah, did string arrangements on one of the tracks. Yeah, I was going to come on to that, but yeah, absolutely. Before Led Zeppelin, of course, because he did right a lot back of when he was um, yeah back when he was a uh, yeah. uh, studio musician. I mean, yeah. this this the whole thing is weird. Yeah, I guess that really is about it for background. 
Yeah. Well, I guess the last thing is just to say that, I mean, this isn't exactly a forgotten album, but it's very much an anomalous album. Like if you were, if you were recommending someone a first Rolling Stones album to start with, you would not suggest this unless they particularly loved Psychedelia. I, I still um, don't. I don't. Okay. So it, it's, yeah, it, it's the album and they do occasionally play one or two of the songs off this, but it's been largely, um, uh, what is the word? It's it's been la- yeah. Well, the actual band themselves have also um, said they don't like. Jonathan, there's a word I'm looking for where you say you don't like something. Anyway, disowned. No, I don't know. That's too strong. But basically, Mick and Keith have both said yeah. There's maybe a couple of good songs, and most of it was not good. Um, so yes, that is that is it. So it's an anomalous album. Um, I guess people will probably know there's one track on here which we'll get to, which is, I guess, considered to be something of a Stones classic. The rest, most people won't know. And if you heard these songs, apart from the fact that a lot of the time you can just about tell it's um, Jagger's voice, you wouldn't say, oh, that's the Stones. Correct. um, To me, this might not be an album nobody's ever heard, mm -hmm. but it's an album that came and went and was dropped out of it. They personally dropped it out of their canon and it didn't make it into the canon of American FM rock radio. Yes. I know the world is bigger than America. However, that is my perspective. For sure. For sure. For sure. All right. Should we get into the track by track? Yes. This, yeah, <coughs> go ahead. I will start this one off. If you don't mind. Yeah, of course. This one is sing this all together. Now, Going into this, I had never heard this album. Mm. Uh, as I had mentioned, I had been interested the entire time in this record. And because of that one tune, a friend of mine who is a Stones fan did tell me that the Kiss version of 2000 Man was better. I tend to agree, but that's besides the point. And you say you did agree, you do, agree. I do agree. Yes, I okay, totally yeah, agree. Yeah. except Ace can't sing. Other than that, mm. spectacular. And I don't. I didn't know, I knew this album was more psychedelic, more of the 60s free love hippie movement. I knew that. However, knowing a thing and being prepared for a thing, not always there. And this one really blew me away. Right. Because this is like, Led Zeppelin lyrics like Misty Mountain Hop, not the hobbity stuff, but like the the stuff about hanging out in the park. And if you go to San Francisco, put a flower in your hair. I mean, that kind of level of wow. Okay, we are we are through the looking glass on this one. And it's just all bouncy. And then there's the organs. And I'm like, what in the hell is this? And I still don't know. Okay. Well, you see, I was coming at this from a completely different perspective because I got this, um, I think, in my late teens. Yeah, it was in my late teens when I was just, I guess, getting into the Stones and still, still exploring a lot of those classic 60s and 70s bands I hadn't yet got round to properly checking out. And this was the album that I went for. And I definitely liked it at the time, um, just to put that out there now. Um so yeah, look, it starts off with like dream, this dreamy psychedelic ambient kind of intro, these brass stabs, and then there's this loose melody that starts to come in. But it's a good, strong, catchy loose melody. Loose oh, melody is a great way to describe it because it's loose. 
Yeah, I mean, it's almost a bit nursery rhymish, but 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 it is strong and catchy. Almost, and no, no, it is not almost. I'm sorry. It is completely nursery rhymish. This okay. should have been sung at my day camp. <laughs> they should have. We should have sung this song in summer camp. Yeah. But it kicks in with like, but there's because there's no proper drums in there, not not a drum kit. There's lots of percussion instruments, piano, jangly guitars. Um, I really like this. I have to say, I think it's a cool psychedelic song. I know it's not exactly what you would call stonesy, but in places, actually, with the percussion and the grooves, I was thinking, actually, you know what? It's not that far from something like Sympathy for the Devil at times. Um, but yes, more nursery rhymish. And Nick's thinking, no, what are you talking about? But um, no, um, no, you said that, that it was not that far from Sympathy for the Devil. And I almost got up like angry, screaming. And then I thought about it for a second. No, I really isn't that far. No, I exactly. Ju- I just liked Sympathy for the Devil way more. Yeah, sure. That's that's so, the difference. Yeah. So there's some psychedelic wig out sections. There's some nice bluesy lead guitar that comes in. There's some extreme 60s panning. I can't remember what it is on this track. I took some notes on some of the others, but you know, you've got like all the percussion in one ear or something like that. And then the vocals are off to the other side. But it I actually listened, kind of I listened worked. on my speaker. Right. You couldn't tell. Okay. So okay. I didn't get the pan. Right, right, right. But um, you know what? I, I just really like this song. Um, I, I don't know whether partly I'm clouded because I listened to this quite a lot. This was still the era we we did there were downloads and stuff like that but i i certainly a lot of people still weren't really doing that very much and i i certainly wasn't into downloading loads of music so you'd you'd save up and buy a cd that was quite expensive and then you'd mm-hmm. listen to it a mm-hmm. lot so you know i really listened to this a lot and um it's quite memorable to me and th- these songs still crop up in my head every now and then um, even though I haven't really listened to the album for years. So, look, I like this. You just have to kind of forget it's the Rolling Stones, but um, it's good. It, you know, I'm trying to phrase this and without sounding like an old man yelling at the clouds, but I'm just going to sound like an old man yelling at the clouds. So whatever, you know, it's like, you know, back when I was a kid, we only had four TV channels. Back when I was, you know, getting into music, you couldn't, like you could, but I, I didn't know you could have gone. I could have gone to the library down the street to listen to these things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you had to buy music. Mm-hmm. And so if if a song or if an album like this one is lost to the canon, lost to history, you don't hear it. You know, KC95 is not playing Sing It All Together by the Rolling Stones when they say, up next, we're going to play the Stones. No, they're going to play Satisfaction. Mm-hmm. They're going to play Sympathy for the Devil. They're going to play, um, oh, God. I I can't even think of anything. I have to start. Oh, Start Me Up. That's another one. Oh, okay. yeah. Start yeah. Me Up. That is actually, they used that in the 80s on their commercials. On right. the KC95 commercials. That yeah. was like their rock song, how to show that you're rocking out. They would play Start Me Up or Beast right. of Burden or uh, You Can't Always Get What You Want. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Sorry, I'm throwing my Stones cred, of which I have none. But, <laughs> you know, this is this a, this is not a bad song. It's just, man, it's just jarring. Yeah, no, I get it's it. jarring. I get, it. I get it. Okay, well, track two, Citadel. So this kicks in with a nice, heavy psychedelic riff, which I would liken to the Velvet Underground. I think it's a really cool riff. Um, Some great bluesy melodies. Um, It's a 
bit because it's bluesy it's a bit more stones but it still isn't really very stonesy um gets a bit more psychedelic in the middle but great vocals great vocal melodies um still lots of silly panning going on like the um vocals are all panned hard left on in the left ear but i think it's a really good song great feel great energy and some brilliant drumming from charlie watts some excellent interesting unusual grooves and then you've got some synth stuff going on i think it's a mellotron possibly there's mellotron um, all in, over this album yeah in one ear and i think this is great really like it duncan stop because you're you're changing my opinion of this as we go along. It's anyway, Citadel is to quote Duncan. This is weird, man. This, I, 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 I don't have a whole lot to say about this one because it's just so, and I listened to side one twice. Mm-hmm. So I know side one better than side two. And I'm listening to this going, what in the world are you doing? It just, it, it's obvious that this album was pieced together. You can hear that it was pieced together because everything is so different than everything else. It's, they're just squishing it all together. But I, I, I can't say any of it so far is bad. Mm-hmm. It's just, everything is so off brand. Mm-hmm. You know, this is weirder. It's 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 almost like they're the monkeys now. When the monkeys tried to be psychedelic, that's yeah. how this album comes across to me, where they're trying so hard to be psychedelic, but they don't really know how to do it, and they really don't know the why of it. Like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what I'm getting so far. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, I like it all so far, but yeah, that's I, I understand, man. It's certainly not what you would expect. If I you do not. like it. It's just very discombobulating. Okay. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right. And so after that wonderful track, we are now moving on to the only song on this album, I believe, not sung by... Mick Jagger in another land. This one's written by Bill Wyman. And this one is interesting to me because it is a, uh, it's a response to how all the other dudes were so drugged up all the time. Yeah. And he sings it as well, by the way. Wyman sings this one. Yeah. Yeah. So he sings it. He he writes a song about how they're all drugged up and sings a song about how they're all drugged up and makes it sound like it's all drugged up. Yeah, I see. I didn't realize that until I was just reading, uh, reading about that today. I'm just going to look at the lyrics now and see if we can. Yeah, it just all kind of sounds. Yeah, it all sounds very psychedelic and trippy, basically. We walked across the sand and the sea and the sky and the castles were blue. I stood and held your hand and the spray flew high and the feathers floated by. So Why yeah, it doesn't, is it? Really, it doesn't sound like a critique so much as he's just getting himself into that mindset. He's making fun of them, though. Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, I suppose that's what it is. It's satire, yeah. Why is it yeah. whenever psychedelic music happens... And they bring up a color. It's always blue. Yeah, yeah, good point. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. 
I'm sorry. Just, just, I mean, you know, the traffic lights turn up blue tomorrow. And wait a minute, are your green lights blue over there? No, they're okay. So that doesn't even make any sense. You know, Jim Morrison sings, I can make the blue cars go away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's always blue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is there something about doing acid that's blue? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So what else you got for this one? I am good on this one. It's, oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it it's a neat little, it's a neat little song. It, it's kind of like, um, it reminds me a little bit actually of, uh, and this is going to be a good thing I'm going to say about this song. It reminds me a lot of uh, ten years before you were born, the um, the Yardbirds tune. Okay, yeah, I don't actually know that, but yeah, it it reminds me a lot of the trippier. Yardbirds and that era of Led Zeppelin that actually hasn't started yet, of course, mm-hmm. where they are moving out of straight blues into something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this actually could have actually influenced one, well, and um, John Paul Jones was involved. So, yeah, not in this song, but yeah, on the album though. Yeah, true, true. So he probably just, just heard watch. the album, theoretically. Oh, sure, 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 yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, well, look, for me, this is, um, well, just worth mentioning, this has Ronnie Lane and Steve Marriott on backing vocals, both of the small faces. Uh, oh, so nice. whether they were just recording next door and they got invited in or what, I don't know. But yeah, um, I like this song. Um Starts with psychedelic organ ostinatos and it goes, the voice is heavily tremolo affected. So you've got this kind of mm-hmm. uh, 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 kind of thing going on. Um, but it's, you know, it works. It's, it's a psychedelic effect. It's very, very in your face, but it works. Um, some harps accord in there. Look, this is very psychedelic. I really like the chorus. This one actually comes back to me and ends up getting stuck in my head just every now and then periodically. It's catchy. Um, some really nice harmonies. Um, yeah, I, I really rate this song. Um, again, it's not very stonesy at all. Um, it's much more Sergeant Pepper Beatlesy, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I like it a lot. Um, really strong. I think that's one. Just, I think a lot of what carries the, the songs that work on this album. I think what carries them through is that they've got really strong melodies. They're really, really well written um in the melodic sense um and that carries them so it's almost like doesn't really matter whether they've got psychedelic um embellishment and augmentation or or something else they just work as songs so yeah for me it's a strong song i like it it ends with snoring and sitar in the background which i guess plays into the whole uh you know satire of uh hippie psychedelic drug culture it, it also reminds me a lot of uh, a song Jimi Hendrix puts out later called 1984, A Merman I Shall Be, mm. where it's just very that underwater sound, which not to say that Jimmy got it from them. But. Yeah. Isn't there also, it's got the phrase, I want to hold your hand. That's this one, isn't it? Or have I got that one wrong? Yeah, that, hang on. Hang on, hang on. I don't remember that, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it has. It's I want. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I know. It's I stood and held your hand. And it always reminds Isn't there a Beatles song, I Want to Hold Your Hand? Yeah, there yep. is. And it always kind of reminds me of that. But um, to be absolutely honest, I can't really. Re- I can remember the Beatles song. I don't think the melody is really similar, but it just feels like a little bit of a um, 
homage there, but it might just be a coincidence. I don't know, man, because it's actually, like I say, I thought it was I want to hold your hand. It's actually I stood and held your hand. So there we are. But yeah, I like it. We are trucking right along. If you don't mind, I'm going to start this one off because this is the yep. one I, I this is this is why I'm here. Right. This track. Now, this is, of course, is 2000 Man, which ironically is a song about being a robot and not yep. a man. Uh, it's is it is that right? I'm saying, yeah, and I'm thinking, is it? I know it's kind of on along those lines. I'm going to look at the lyrics right now. You're, you know, my uh, well, my name is a number, a piece of plastic film, and I'm growing funny flowers in my little windowsill. Um, don't you know I'm a 2000 man? And my kids, they just don't understand me at all. I, oh, it says I'm having an affair with the random or with a random computer. I don't know. It's definitely about somebody who's... Um, uh, Daddy, who your access. brain is still flashing like yeah. they did when you were young. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, yeah, there's definitely cyborg vibes in there. So I, I picture that the way it was described to me as a friend of mine interpreted it was... That was from the robots from the early late fifties and early sixties, right? Right, where they were big and bulky and their heads flashed. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I can go with that. So we'll call it cyborgy. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Basically, this is uh, drug culture on sci-fi. Sure. This is sci-fi on the marijuana. This is what yep. happens. Mm-hmm. And he also sings about the marijuana as well. Growing funny flowers on my little windowsill. Indeed, and yes. This song has it all, frankly. It has everything you could possibly want in 1967. Mm-hmm. It's going to bring you some Star Trek vibes. It's going to bring you some psychedelia. And it's going to bring you some straight blues-based rock. This is probably the most straightforward tune on this whole album. Yeah, I think you're right. Though, when you dig a little deeper past the the straightforward ostentatiousness, it becomes completely ridiculous. And obviously, these men were not in their right mind when they wrote it. <laughs> and I will say, yes, again, the Kiss version with Ace Fraley singing is better because he didn't try to make it pretty like Mick Jagger when Mick Jagger sang it. He he. Jagger tried to sing it, you know, very pretty. And Ace can't do pretty, so he just blew it out the water. And okay. also, Ace couldn't apparently couldn't play the intro, so that's not there. Right. I shall have I, to check that out. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to, but I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, look, this has just got, again, brilliant, brilliant melody, super mm-hmm. catchy. Um, played on the acoustic guitar first, and it kicks, with, kicks in with the band. The drums are great on this. The drums are kind of backwards. They, 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 it's like you've got a straight drum beat and then just turned it inside out. Like the, the kicks and the hi-hats and the snares are just not where you'd expect them to be, but it's just sort of works. Um, so, yeah, brilliant. Um, the Also, I really like the structure of this song. So it starts with what I would describe as the verse. It does that a couple of times. Then it goes, okay, forget that. Now we're going to do a big bridge i guess you call it or a big chorus i don't know and it kind of does that goes into a bit of a solo a bit more classic stones rock and rolly for a bit then goes into more of the bridge and then at the end goes back to the verse again so 
whether you want to call it verse, chorus, verse, or what, it's just not structured like um, most pop songs are. And I like that. And that might be just because they were throwing ideas around and didn't quite know what order they wanted to do anything in and were all over the place. But the way it came out is really interesting because it's it totally works, but it sort of shouldn't work. Um, so, yeah, just really strong melodies, great harmonies, um, I like the fact it changes speed as well for the for the bridge section in the middle. Um, yeah, again, just sticks in your head. Very, very. Um, I think you described it perfectly mm-hmm. when you said it shouldn't work, but it does. Yeah. You know, this is one of those times where an artist broke the rules, mm-hmm. but knew the rules really well. And yeah. knew how knew how to break them. Yeah. That's my opinion on this. Love this song. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. All right, well, track five, sing this all together, brackets, see what happens. So sing this all together being track one. So this is a reprise. Um, Okay, so it starts off with flute melodies and the sounds of people at a party. Um, Then it kicks into the, like, we're in the middle of a psychedelic jam. So I don't know whether this was from a, a different take of Sing This All Together where they just went off on one or what it was. But anyway, we're in the middle of a psychedelic jam and you can just about tell that it's probably a development of Sing This All Together. Um, you've got bits of more party sounds interspersed, people having conversations at parties interspersed. Um, and it's, you know what, it's quite a good jam for a while. And then gradually the sing this all together melody creeps in on the guitar and then comes in on the brass as well. And that's nice. It's this uplifting, sunny psychedelia with a driving percussion beat. But then the jamming continues and continues. And then it gradually kind of falls apart via some screaming chaos and some trippy nonsense. Then it sort of comes back to a bit of structure again with some very loose kind of half asleep jamming. And to be honest, it all starts to go on a bit too long at this point. The song's eight minutes 34. It shouldn't be. Um, Finally, it goes into an affected and slowed down kind of strung out version of the the main chorus melody of Sing This All Together with the vocals and everything. But it's all slowed down and a bit weird. and, And you think, is this necessary? Do we need this reprise? And then apparently, so what it does is it then ends with this different section, which apparently is actually meant to be a hidden track called Cosmic Christmas for the last 40 seconds, which is like radio effects, noise, gongs, and just general boinginess, noisiness, and ambience. And eh, it's fine, but that's... Is it fine? to, To me, this is... a this is kind of self-indulgent and kind of unnecessary. There's some all right bits in it. There's some actually quite nice bits in it, but that's probably like two minutes of the eight minutes, 34. It's worth keeping. Okay. I apologize for the interruption. Um, Duncan just traumatized me with his retelling of this song. Duncan's recall of how a song makes him feel and what it is and how it does is 10 to 15 times better than mine will ever be. That's why I can only do this with him because I can't give you all that. Unfortunately, he threw all of this song back at me. Oh my God, I hate this song. This, this, it, you know, we always say, we, one of the frequent complaints on this podcast is when a song overstays its welcome. Yeah. Or when a song is unfocused or 
it, it or when a song just doesn't work. And this song is all of that. It doesn't oh, yeah. feel like it's too long. It is too long. This yeah. is this is a long song on a Metallica record. And yeah. this is the yep. Stones. You know, give me two and a half minutes. That's all I need. Two and a half minutes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, that's... I, um... And they just go on, and it just doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I had forgotten how much I hated this song <laughs> until Duncan took us slowly through it, as he does. <laughs> and I thank him for that. But holy hell, I'd forgotten how awful. I mean, this song is just truly... It's, it's like listening... What was it? Tuesday morning? Yeah, Tuesday morning by Paul Kossoff. Oh, yes, absolutely. It is like that. It totally is like that. It's not as long. No. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. But like that song, it's it's mostly nonsense. And absolutely. yeah, you could probably whittle out two minutes of a song. But the problem is, is you it's easy to spot that this song was copy and pasted together or this oh. album. I'm sorry. This album, for the most part, all these songs are copy and pasted together. It's it's kind of like progress, progressive rock without the the length and pomp and circumstance, except on this one. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's it's hard to keep these songs from falling apart and the whole album from falling apart when you do it that way. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Well, that's the end of side one. So we're Correct. flipping the disc over and we have next, She's a Rainbow. And this is the one which has John Paul Jones's string arrangements, by the way. Yeah, and, and quite honestly, She's a Rainbow is just mindless pap. It, <laughs> it's, there, there's no, I mean, it's just bad. It's, it's, this is a bad song. This is the, the you know, it's just singing a silly ditty about some lady he's interested in. and. Yeah. That's all I can describe it as. Okay, well, yeah, it starts with um, a field recording of what sounds like a like a guy in a casino in London. Um, I'm guessing. Anyway, but then Do it you guys kicks have in. casinos. Yeah, yeah, they're probably not as glamorous as as yours, but um, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. We have so, we have gambling basically everywhere now. Like right, we have right. ten casinos here. Okay, yeah, we don't have as many as that, but yeah, we have like if you go to um, you know, the service station where you stop on the the motorway, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, the, the the road, <laughs> there's uh, <laughs> there's always a there's always a little amusement arcade room with with gambling in it and all that. Oh. So yeah, it's, it's around, you know. It's yeah, around. we have that, but that's kind of illegal. Oh really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So like, there's when you go to like convenience stores now, they'll have like a couple machines. Okay. Right. And I'm like, I'm not gambling in an illegal casino in a gas station because you know what this is never going to pay out and two if anything goes wrong what am i going to do it's illegal yeah well indeed yeah it's not illegal here but uh anyway that's a whole other other story no it's fine well look i actually really do like this song yeah look i appreciate it's um it's very 60s it's very flower powery but i think it's it's concise it's got great melodies it's just a it's a concise psychedelic pop song um yeah and yeah that's you know why what? I, I, but I that's like why it. i don't like it 
Yeah, I can I can totally see why you wouldn't like it, and I can see why anyone who's a, a fan of the Stones' bluesy rock may well not like this, but. I do like it. Um, yeah, it's just straightforward pop with some Mellotron, a bit of swirly psychedelia, um, and they're singing about rainbows and all this sort of stuff. But I, I think it's cool, actually. I like it. And actually, the string arrangements are great. Uh, uh, that, yes, that is great. However, only, only Ronnie James Dio can sing about rainbows in my book. Okay, yeah, rainbows in the dark. Oh, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, track seven, The Lantern. Uh, now, okay, this is where it starts to go a bit wrong for me, really. Oh, this um, way. <laughs> it already started to go a bit wrong on the uh, Sing This All Together reprise. But, um, yeah, okay, The Lantern. So you've got some bluesy guitars, then you've got some quite nice um, vocal melodies that come in and some piano. And the panning is totally weird. Everything's on the left, apart from the vocals that are in the centre and the backing vocals on the right. So it's really odd on headphones. The vocals are even panned weird? Yeah, the whole the whole thing is just weird, yeah. Okay. Um, but but the thing is, it's, kind of, it's got this stoppy-starty thing, which I get it. I suppose they're trying to do something different. It's like it keeps feeling like it's about to get going, and then it goes, no, nah, we're not going anywhere. We're stalling this. And then, oh, we're going to start getting, no, no, we're not. Let's start going to, no. And to be honest, the melodies, whilst I've been talking about how great they are on most of these songs, they're not up to scratch here. They're, it just doesn't really get going. There's no strong chorus. The whole thing doesn't get going. It keeps feeling like it's about to go somewhere and it doesn't. So, nah, scrap this one. Mm, uh, I wish I could say something, but I don't remember this one. I think this was the one that I had to keep pausing while the kid kept talking to me about coffee. Right. We, let the, I mean, we let the kid drink coffee, just not much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, uh, this this you wouldn't remember this one particularly much. There's just not much to remember about it. Well, fair enough. Um, yeah. I do remember the next one. Gomper. Uh, I wish I did not remember this one. Okay, so you said this is where it's going all wrong for you. Yeah. Right now, the when we got to the the reprise of the sing it all together, that's basically when this whole the wheels fell off this truck for me, uh -huh, uh -huh, and I'm just uh -huh. falling down the steps, and I'm trying to latch on to something that I enjoy, and, and this is now, this this is now the Stones doing Pink Floyd. Uh -huh. But not like Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, which, of course, has not happened yet, but early Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. yeah where yeah. everything is dissonant and wrong. And I don't even like it that much when Pink Floyd does it. Yeah. And this is just gumper is just terrible. Um, I'm hoping yeah. that you can explain to me what the hell a gumper is. Maybe I don't know. I just oh. I just Googled it. I've never heard the words. Um, it seemed... Urban Dictionary essentially says it's a term of offence for someone who's an idiot. I'm not going to read out what Urban Dictionary says. Okay, fair enough. Offensive, actually, but anyway. Well, um, you know what? I, I find this song offensive and stupid as well. So it, they, <laughs> they've they've nailed it, in my opinion, because it just it has no melody. It has no anything. It's just noise. Yeah, this is essentially a directionless jam that they've tried to make into a song. That whole idea about, oh, we didn't have the album really ready and we just had to go in and piece it together. 
this feels like they were scraping the barrel of that. Like they just found um, part of a jam and then said, hey, Mick, why don't you just sing a few vocals over this and then we'll say it's a song. So you've got jangling guitars, organ, <laughs> tabla, dulcimer. You've got all these different instruments that should make it interesting, but it just all feels like a bit of a waste of time. Um, it gets boring really quickly and then stays boring. There's a few points where the intensity builds and I sort of start to think, okay, maybe, but no. This is, uh, this is like if someone wants to satirise 60s psychedelia and just say it's all complete nonsense and um, uh, a waste of time and silly, then this is what you could... Yeah, like this, is that, this is that song. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you, I think you have nailed it perfectly when you said, uh, we'll say it's a song. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it... It is the very definition of filler because they just needed something to fill out the record. Yes, indeed. But okay, next. Um, well, you, you, it's you, your turn next. All right, I'll start this one up. 2,000 light years from home. All right. Now we got a song. Oh, actually, sorry. It was actually my turn next. Yeah, it, it is. But it's fine. You go, you go, you go. Now, now I insist. Um, the, you know, this is... I, context is... It, context determines your perception. You know, that's why I always say, you know, I come from an American perspective, minus American context. You know, that's just my my context. So maybe this song isn't any good. I don't know. I know I heard it after 20 minutes of abject crap, 20 minutes in a row of terrible, terrible things that were almost songs, but not always songs, kind of songs. And then all of a sudden we get this one. And this one is a for me. This is psychedelic perfection. Mm-hmm. It's trippy. It's otherworldly. They're using goofy things. They're talking like Cream does. You know, this is Tales. This is, you know, lyrically speaking, this is their version of Tales of Brave Ulysses and all this cool stuff. And love this song. This is a great tune. Great. Yeah, I agree. It is a great song. I think they still, oh, I don't know about literally still to this day, but I think they've played this song in the years since. A fair bit. So this is possibly the most classic Stonesy track on here, one of them anyway, along with that earlier one we talked about. So yeah, it begins with backwards piano and some general noisy ambience, but then it kicks in with a, with a guitar riff and mellotron, and then um, it all comes in with some psychedelic bluesy rock grooves, and this is just a great song. It's got the verse and it's got the chorus, and again, they're back to those brilliant melodies. The chorus hook is great everything builds up around it and supports this fantastic really memorable catchy melody um it's great i like the feel of it it's just a little bit odd the melody i can see actually why some people might have um criticized the production i think here like the mellotron is louder than you'd usually push it and it slightly dominates but it actually works it just makes it slightly odd and spacey um so it's like yeah, it's, it's almost like you've got the stones combined with Hawkwind, and that's great from my point of view. Um, so, yeah, brilliant track. One of the best songs, maybe the best song on the album. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. It's And again, maybe it's just because it came after Gomper. I, I don't know. I don't know. No, you... I, yeah, I mean, that helps. But yeah, no, it is great. <laughs> I don't know that you could go downhill from there. I think they, I think that might be the worst Rolling Stones song ever written. Possibly. Um, alongside um, 
hidden track Cosmic Christmas at the end of uh, singing. You know what? If they didn't even have the guts to tell me that song existed, (laughs) it doesn't exist. Fine. Okay, well, final track then. On with the show. So this begins with a field recording of like a a guy plugging a, a nude dancing show. Um, so there we go. Then it kicks in with psychedelic rock grooves, and then it all goes a bit strange. So I believe this is Mick Jagger singing, but he's doing this half-spoken, uh, rhythmic joke vocal thing in a plummy English accent. So he's like, Oh, on with the show, everybody, dear boy, how are you? And singing like this, and then it's all a bit odd and it's, I guess it's supposed to be amusing, but it's not very amusing. It's all a bit pointless and feels too much like Sergeant Pepper. You know, I hope that you enjoy the show. Then they've got on with the show and Pepper does that as well, where you've got a sort of narrator, haven't you sort of um, introducing the Sergeant Pepper Lonely Hearts Club band. It just feels too ripped off that. And it just feels silly. And I don't know why Jagger's, doing that voice um and then it goes caribbean towards the end as if we needed that it just starts doing the whole doom 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 with with some piano and some party sounds you know conversations from parties no scrap it that needs to go off with the show nicely done i can't add a whole lot but i'm gonna try this you know, it feels like this is another one of those times of like, oh my God, it's too short. Yeah. We got to push something in there. So do something quick. And, you know, he does, you know, it, it, it seems like a lot of the English, the old English people, the old English rockers, when they don't know what to do, they do a crazy English yeah, voice. I think there's some truth in that. Yeah, yeah. And that that you know we did. What was it last week? We did. Um, oh my god, my brain is broken. Yeah, oh, wow. Jordy, uh, Jordy. Yeah, and yeah. so they they finish out the album with a goofy English accent. Yeah, the Jordy yeah, exactly. accent. Cream does finishes off Disraeli gears in a goofy Cockney accent. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just. I feel like they're messing. It's just a mess with Americans, but maybe I'm wrong. And but it's it that is just a common common occurrence. It seems like when it is, yeah, got to fit something in. Let's do a silly. I mean, American American acts don't do that. No, well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Although it would be hysterical, like at the end of a Doors album, if all of a sudden Jim Morrison is singing in this Alabama accent. Come on, y'all, we're gonna fix it to trip some LSD. <laughs> that would be awesome. I wish somebody accent. would do that, or they could do like New York accent. Come on, everybody, let's go get to the subway. Yeah, that's where the dealer is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but, so yeah let's wrap this thing up on that so yeah look okay for me look this is an imperfect album it's got some nonsense on there there's at least three or four tracks that could go but um i would say 
50 to 60% of it is really good. There's some absolutely outstanding stuff on it. Um, 2000 Light Years from Home, 2000 yes. Man, yes. Citadel, um, even mm. Sing This All Together and In yeah. Another Land. I'm yeah. into those. Um, you know, all right, fine. Scrap Gomper, scrap on with the show, scrap the lantern, and scrap that ridiculous, silly jam. But you've got like, Probably, I don't know, I can't add it all up, but you've probably got 25 minutes of really solid, very strong music. And like I say, these melodies come back to me all the time. I haven't listened to this album very much for years. I listened to it a lot in my late teens for probably a year or so, then kind of just put it back in the on the shelf and forgot about it. But those melodies still come back to me. So they are, there's, they're strong songs. They're well done. They're interesting. The arrangements are cool. The production, even though it's weird, um, has a, a really excellent charm to it. And um yeah, look, I like it. So I I am going to say spin it. I'm going to disagree about the 25 minutes of strong music. I think it's probably closer to about 28 or maybe even 30 because it's actually a 44 minute record. Yeah. So it's a, it's for, for the time, it's a little bit on the long side, which is yeah, yeah. ironic in my opinion, considering how much they had to squish in there to get it to that point. But, yeah. you know, side one is a pretty good side. Yeah. Side two, for the most part. I mean, once you get to that last six minutes of side one, throw that away. Yeah. Side two, it starts off slow and gets strong and starts and then ends slow. So it starts good, gets bad in the middle, and ends badly. But, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, you know, what is, again, and we've talked about this hundreds of times, but what is Spin It or Bennett? Spin It or Bennett is, am I going to listen to this again? And hearing you talk about this album so much and talking about the engineering portions of the album, the panning and all that stuff, I feel strongly that I did not get the full effect of the album because right. I listened to it on my wireless speaker. It yeah, is a yeah. mono speaker. There's no panning of any kind. They call it stereo, but I mean, you can't have stereo out of one speaker. That's not a thing. Well, it probably has got two speakers really close together, but kind of almost defeats the point. Like, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a three-inch diameter cylinder. Yeah. Maybe so it's got a speaker. It, it will. If it says stereo, it'll have two speakers, but you're not really going to hear the gap between them. Let's no, you way. would have to be an inch wide between yeah. them and that's just you just no you can't you can't do that you have to have you have exactly. to have a space between them exactly. and so i feel like i really missed out on what this album has and what it does so i'm interested mm-hmm. in hearing that and as everyone knows i only buy vinyl so i guess i'm gonna have to buy a copy of this <laughs> so i guess for that reason this week i am a spin it all right well, um, I don't have much else to say apart from that. I am going to go and straight away check out uh, Kiss and Ace Fraley's version of 2000 Man. Listen was- to the the unplugged version. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That is, don't, if, you, if you're watching the video, don't, don't look at the video because you okay. will see Ace looking like, well, I don't want to say I what I'm thinking. I can see that right now, actually. Yeah, I think I can see it on the YouTube preview. You don't uh, want to see his, because the, the face he makes while singing that song 
is one of the most terrifying things you will ever see. But okay. this, uh, you know, we we talk about these old albums, these weird albums, these strange albums. And because a friend of mine, the whole thing started because a friend of mine said that my favorite albums by all of our, all of our favorite bands are the the lot the lonely lost puppies, the misfit toys, the Lulus, the uh divine intervention and diabolus and musica you know all the goofier things that everybody else hates that are always my favorite and this one really put it to the test yeah <laughs> but yes i want to hear it again it may not ever be my favorite stones record but i do think i like it so that's all i have this week all right me too well thank you for listening Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you are in this far, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please subscribe and rate and review. Have a great week, everybody. Bye, bye, bye.